Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of Brooklyn Banter. I'm House, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Salgado. We'll be releasing episodes twice a week talking about all things Nets basketball, as well as the rest of the NBA. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you all so much for listening to our first episode. And now, let the banter begin. Today is Sunday, November 19th, and I'm here with someone who's probably been a Nets fan longer than I've been alive. Matt, how you doing, man? You excited to get this podcast going? Hey, man. How's it going, House? Uh, yeah, pumped, man. Um, really pumped to get this started. Uh, always wanted to get a pod- podcast going, uh, so super excited. Uh, and I actually just wanted to start the first episode off um, by just sharing my absolute dis- disdain for Joel Embiid. Um, <laughs> today, obviously, wasn't pretty. I'm sure we're going to touch a lot upon that, but... I just, I cannot stand him, and today just enforce that even more. Yeah, uh, I think many Nets fans would agree with you there. Uh, I was actually just at the game at Barclays Center that started at 3 o'clock. I ended up leaving early because I couldn't watch that anymore. Uh, it seems like a ton of fans were getting up and leaving early, but, man, I'm excited to get this going. Uh, I've wanted to do a podcast for a while. I've been a Nets fan as long as I can remember. I'm, I'm 25 years old for the audience, if anyone wants to know. And, uh, you know, the Nets have been a huge part of my life, so... Let's get this going. I'm excited to start. And we'll start with the Sixers game that happened today. Uh, it was an absolute bloodbath. The Nets lost 121 to 99. And the game in the first half was relatively close. Uh, we were tied 44 to 44 in the second quarter before the Sixers went on a 12-0 run. And the game, uh, the Nets seemed to not be able to fight back after that. So, Matt, what are your initial thoughts on what happened today? Uh, in my opinion, it was the worst game the Nets played all season. Yeah, I mean, it started like a typical matinee game for uh, for these New York teams. Uh, they never seem to get it right in the early days. Um, we can go back to Washington last week, just slow starts um, and just kind of grumbling through there. Um, I, I really like the uh, timeout Jack Vaughn called early on. I think it was probably seven and a half minute mark and uh, down uh, 13 to four, came out of the timeout with a quick three. Um, I think it got up to 17-7 before we went on 15 to five runs to really close that quarter out. Uh, and I thought, and I thought that was really going to change. You saw, you saw Mikel Bridges kind of pull together, um, and really take force there in the first quarter. And, and then, uh, you know, we started off the second quarter really well. Um, but you, you, ha- you have, uh, I mean, you could touch upon it more and kind of how, how, how the crowd reacted today with, I think Dinwiddie in the beginning of the game just really started taking um, some really early shots in the shot clock. Um, yeah, you definitely did. And, uh, you know, just going off the Dinwiddie point real quick, uh, being at the game, you know, it's like I was at a game four years ago in 2019, just watching the Dinwiddie show. And uh, as much as I love Dinwiddie, you know, as a locker room guy and even as a basketball player, I think Nets fans are, you know, have a bit of fatigue watching that. And, uh, you know, we don't have a ton of options right now with uh, the injuries. And, uh, you know, Dinwiddie seems like the guy that needs to have the ball in his hands to control the offense. But uh, the Dinwiddie show is definitely getting tiring. And, you know, I think the coaches know, the organization know. If, if Dinwiddie's going to be taking 15 to 20 shots a game, this team isn't going to go far in the playoffs. Uh, so uh, that is my thoughts on that. Uh, so. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting because when 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 and you and you see you see it uh, when Dinwiddie's humming and he's got that offense running, he, he he's super vital to this offense, um, especially with Cam and, and Ben out. Um, you, you see what he can do. 
But when he when he starts to take the lead and in, in these early shots, or even even when he starts dribbling for twenty seconds into isolation, um, and not getting his teammates involved, it, it really hurts the Nets, and, and, and it puts us kind of puts us flat footed getting back on defense. And, and you just saw Embiid running down the floor and just kind of posting up Claxton, and 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 it's never it's never good when that happens. Um, I, I did like Watford's minutes in, in the first half. Um, and, and I think JV is going to have a big question. I know, I know the fan base is already getting on him about DSJ and, and, and putting Watford in there for him. But I, I mean, I really liked his minutes. And then obviously, I mean, you could, you could touch upon this, how the, that Lonnie Walker dunk at the end of the first quarter, I thought that was going to, I thought the momentum was fully on us. And we came out in that second quarter on a 10 0 run. Uh, but as everybody who watched knows that it, it didn't end that well. It, no, it definitely didn't end that well. And just to stay in the first half for a bit, it was it was pretty refreshing as a Nets fan to see Mikael Bridges come out of this, you know, come out of the gun and just shoot the ball often. And you know, he looked like he was comfortable on the floor. He was hitting three pointers. He seemed happy on the court. Uh, you know, that's the Mikael Bridges we all want to see. And uh, you know, we all are expecting big things from him because you know we all want to win, and this isn't a season that we're trying to tank. But you know, at the same time, we want to be realistic about who he is as a player, and that probably isn't you know the first star on the team. That being said, I'm not going to make judgments on him not being you know a star at all ten games into the season because he wasn't making too many three pointers. Uh, you know, it's funny because the point I'm making is that it was very refreshing to watch in the first half, but uh, I could be devil's advocate to myself. And in the second half, he only shot the ball one or two times and ended the, I think he scored two points in the second half, which, you know, if you're going to call yourself a star in this league, that's unacceptable. Uh, you know, especially when your team is down 12 to 14 points and you know that the other scores, uh, you know, that being Cam Thomas aren't playing. Uh, I'd love to see Mikhail Bridges take that next leap and, uh, you know, I'm not saying be a ball hog, but be a bit more aggressive on the offensive end. Uh, you know, going to the other twin real quick, Cam Johnson, I think he's definitely still getting into the flow of things. He does not look like himself. Uh, it's definitely going to be something the team has to think about if he continues to play like this. He was three for 12 from the field today and uh, led the team in plus minus in the wrong direction. I think he was minus 28 on the game. Yeah, uh, I love Cam Johnson. Uh, I think he should be a part of this team down the line. but. From a macro perspective, you're looking at the contract he just got uh, over the offseason, and then it seems like he's already injured to start you know, his first 10 games of this year. And while he is playing, he doesn't look comfortable. It's a tough pill to swallow for Nets fans, and we're just hoping he looks better. You know, at the same time, we see Lonnie Walker, who we're paying the minimum, go out there and you know look like he's a star in the league. So uh, Cam Johnson is definitely someone that I'd like to see play better, and I don't know how much success the Nets will have without him. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate because I think, I mean, I think Cam Johnson forgot there was a game in Brooklyn today. The way he was playing out there, um, and, <laughs> and 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 it and it showed. It wasn't it wasn't one of those where you kind of hit away. And you know, I think he was one for six at the end of the half. Um, and 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 I think that Cam is one of those guys who's really going to benefit with Ben on the floor because Ben provides you know that quick transition where where he can get into that corner and hit those open threes. And I think I. I think Cam's just struggling. Obviously, he's coming back from from the injury, and I, and and those muscle injuries always take a little bit to kind of get you back into into form. Mm -hmm. But I think he's just trying too much. You see a lot of dribbling, and 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 Cam right now, I think needs to be needs to be that spot up shooter that that can just drain those three, and and, and if not, then drive to the basket and and, and foul. Um, but yeah, but going back to Mikel, I mean, seven for eleven in the first half. You, you saw him getting to his spots, hitting the threes. And, and he, he finished first half with 16 points and I, and, and I think he finished with 18. He had one shot. I think it was 25 seconds left in the third quarter. 
you just if you're going to be if you're going to be a superstar like everybody said you were going to be and you came out last year in Brooklyn scoring you know your your 30 points to 40 points a night you you got to you got to be able to replicate that first half that 7 for 11 is what we want to see you know you're not going to go 7 for 11 that's highly efficient that's the Kevin Durant numbers but but you can't have one shot especially when every i think every time i looked at the screen yes had it up 7-0 run by Philly 11-0 run by Philly um, and I think I wrote it down. I think Philly ended with a 20 to five run. You, you can't, you just at the end of the third quarter. Um, yeah. And, you know, going off of your point here, um, you know, just talking about how Philly was dominating on offense uh, from a macro perspective, looking in before the season, the Nets were supposed to be one of the better defensive teams in the league. You look at the team on paper, you see a bunch of long wings, that being Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, even Spencer, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, 6'6". We got Claxton. So it's interesting to see that this team is letting up a ton of points and we're not creating any turnovers. We're bottom 10 in the league in both. So, uh, you know, it seems like it, we, we talked about this on the side, uh, you know, not during the podcast, but it looks like the team's playing some sort of uh, system defense, and it doesn't seem like players can actually get comfortable on defense, and no one has real roles. It's kind of a plug and play. And uh, we're seeing the problems of that. And Jacques Vaughn, I think, overall just needs to think about how can I get this team more comfortable? How can I create an identity around this team? It seems as if that we're still, every night is a new trial and error. And I think it's showing on defense the most. And teams are just running over us. I mean, we're not going to beat teams if it's going to be a shootout every night that we don't have the offensive talent, even with Cam Thomas. So uh, yeah. what, what, what are your thoughts on how the team can potentially improve their defense compared to what they're doing right now? Yeah, so so I thought, I mean, last year we all know, well, last couple of years we all know it, it was switch everything. And, and and that's great with with Clax and he can defend the perimeter and and obviously that left us exposed on the boards and 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 that was a big thing within the fan bases we got to get bigger we got to rebound and and I don't think anybody unless you get one of the you know all time great rebounders in the league I mean we had Drummond and we still right <laughs> Drummond like as as slow as slow as uh, DeAndre Jordan was like these these are all time rebounders and we still were not at the top of the league rebounding so it all has to be with this like the system that we're using and, and the switch defense when you pull out the center or the big guy and bring them out to the perimeter it's going to be tough to get rebounds and and we went into a drop coverage and Jack Vaughn talked it, about it during the preseason how we were going to play more drop coverage coverage but when when you play and, and you saw it a lot in the first game of the season when they were just dropping on Donovan Mitchell right. Mm-hmm. People weren't going around the screen, and, and and Claxton sits home, or Dayronch sits home, and wide open three, right? And today you saw that a lot with Maxi. Um, so it's it's it, it it's tough, but I, I feel like we have really great defenders on our team, and obviously it'll it'll be better when Ben is back. But you got to sometimes let these guys, just like you let Durant and Kyrie the last couple of years, just go off on offense on isolation mode. Sometimes you kind of in my eyes, you have to scrap the defense um, and, and just let these guys defend. Like, just let them go one-on-one and, and get their man. Um, the Bridges should have the leash to go and be like, I'm going to go defend Maxi, and I'm not letting him go. I don't care if he's going under or over screens. We have to stop him. Um, mm. and, and, those yeah. are, and that's how you lose games, and that's how runs happen. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it seems like we don't have a bruiser on this team. We have good defenders, but we have no one out there causing havoc, creating some sort of fear in the other team. Uh, you know, and it's 
it's scary to think about uh, when you look at our defense overall on, you know, knowing that we're bottom 10 in the league in point, yeah. giving up uh, points per game. But if you look at our uh, opponents, three point percentage, we're number 26 in the league opponents are shooting 34% from the field on three pointers. And if you just think about regression to the mean, uh, teams are going to start shooting better against us. That's not going to yep. last forever. And, you know, we're already giving up a ton of points. And so, you know, I'd like to think that our wing defenders are causing teams to shoot poorly from three, uh, but we know it's a make or miss league. Uh, and our offense, we, we know it's a make or miss league from our offense because we chuck up a ton of threes and every single night, it seems like we win the game when we shoot a high percentage and lose the game when we shoot a low percentage. Uh, but overall, um, I think that, you know, every single Nets fan woke up today and we didn't think we were going to beat Philly. It's not a devastating loss. This is something that we expected. Would we have liked to lose by less than 20 points and show some sort of fight? Of, of course. But I do think that Jacques Vaughn, um, you know, usually brings usually gets the guys going. This Nets team usually comes out to play. I think Philly's a bad matchup for us. Uh, that, you know, we, we haven't been able to defend and beat for years. We've seen it in the playoffs. We've seen it in regular season games. I mean, I was at the game today uh, sitting right behind one of the baskets, and I just look at Claxton and I look at Embiid, and it doesn't look like it's the same sport. It looks like a JV versus uh, varsity player. Uh, that's, not a, that's not a bash towards Claxton. That's more so just, you know, appreciating Embiid's greatness. Uh, but overall, tough one today, man. And uh, it's hilarious how I go to one game, uh, you know, in the first 10 games and I will obviously see a game that we lose by 20 and it's uh, just a devastating for a fan to be there as all the Philly fans are louder than the Brooklyn ones. Yeah. Some, some, you know what? Sometimes when, you know, when, when it, when it gets away from us that quickly, it's tough, but it, 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 it you get stomach, stomach it a little bit more. I was, I was at the Cavs game opening day and, and it, you know, that's things. And then I was actually out in, in Dallas for a wedding for the Dallas game. And, and, and I had to experience that crazy Doncic shot, but yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Philly is obviously in the tier above us, maybe two tiers above us. It's always tough for us to stop and beat. I, I thought we did a great job. You know, he he's always going to get his points. But I, th- I thought we did a, we did a great job with him. Um, we got we had a lot of help defense coming over. Dayron was coming over when Royce was on him. Royce was coming over, and we 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 saw that at the end of the first quarter, or a little bit in the second quarter, and then it it, it fell off, but. He's going to get his points, and and I think that's what JV was touching upon in the in the pregame um, that they're going to get their points. But you know, I think Jaden Springer was <laughs> four for seven, four for six from three. You you had DeAnthony Melton go off, and, and those a, and that's and that and that's what that's what's going to hurt you against these teams. Um, you, you, you play Boston, Tatum is going to get his points. You can't have yep. Richard scoring, right? So it, it's going to be tough against these teams because we really have not a lot of room for uh for uh for mistakes here and 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 when you lose i think we lost the turnover battle by 11 it was i think we had 15 turnovers to their four and their four came at like very at the end i think i think to the start of the fourth quarter we they only had one turnover yep and and i mean that was one of my keys of the game i tweeted it out today i said you we have to turn the ball over they i think they were averaging like 12 or 13 a game it's just it's 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 frustrating because we were we we, we thought coming into this season defense was going to be number one, um, or not number one, but but up there. And, and 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 like you said, we're in the bottom we're in the bottom third of the league, and and it has to get better. It definitely does, and it seems like losing the turnover battle uh, has been a narrative of this season uh, so far. But 
let's move forward from the Sixers game. Uh, I definitely want to forget about it, and uh, yep. I hope fans forget about it as well. But since this is our first episode and that uh, we haven't really touched upon any other games this season, we thought we'd just run through what's going on, uh, what happened in this previous week, and uh, it wasn't so bad as today. So let's start with uh, the game in Orlando on Tuesday. We took the W, 124-104, to 104, and uh, it seems like that was our best game of the season. Orlando is a 7-5. and five. They're, they're not the same Orlando Magic of the past. They have good young players. Uh, they're actually a relatively similar team to us with their long wings. What were your thoughts overall of the Orlando game? Yeah, so I mean, the one the one thing that I'm really happy about the Nets this year is we're, we're beating the teams that we need to beat, right? We could lose to the Cavs, Boston, Philly, um, but you beat these these weaker these weaker or same level teams, you're, you're going to get your 40 wins. You're going to get into the playoffs. Uh, we, we we saw that in 2018, 19. We never had like huge wins, but we had wins against those mid tier, lower tier teams. And uh, I mean, the main thing Spencer Din- Dinwiddie had his coming out party last week against against Orlando, and he got us moving. We we forced turnovers. I think we had the, our highest turnovers uh, forced that game, and and and, and thirty one transition points, our highest of the season, um, which is important because Ben 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 had us averaging I think twenty two twenty four a game, um, and and you saw those are easy points. They they, they keep you in games, and when the, when you see these blowouts and, and you look at the transition points. Yep, it's it's right there in front of you. You you need it. Um, obviously, Claxton came back. Uh, what were your thoughts last week with Claxton? First game uh, back after a couple a uh, couple weeks off. Yeah, uh, I was obviously uh, happy to have Claxton back. Uh, I was just happy I was able to watch him without Ben Simmons on the court. And I think most Nets fans could agree with that point. Uh, they don't really seem like they uh, can collaborate on the court together while, you know, and the Nets be successful with that spacing issue. Uh, but my takeaway from the Orlando game was how well uh, the Twins played, you know, and this is what Nets fans dream of, of games where they could both uh, shoot the three ball well, get to the rim and cause turnovers. Uh, this was one of the few games of the season that our team was causing turnovers and getting fast break points and I think that's the Nets bread and butter uh, we really need to get into you know into the bodies of teams like that are uh, not as experienced as others without uh, one, you know better guards in the league I think uh, Orlando doesn't really have a point guard right now they're starting Anthony Black they bring in Cole Anthony off the bench I mean we should cause turnovers in that game and that's exactly what the starting lineup did uh, they caused nine turnovers and it led to a ton of fast break points I love to see, um, you know, Cam Johnson shooting the ball well, like we just spoke about. He hasn't really looked confident too much this season, and that was one of his bright spots uh, there. So is there any other thoughts on the Magic game? I mean, overall, just to me, uh, this was uh, this was our best game of the season, uh, and this is how I love to see the Nets play, uh, you know, every single night. Yeah, I just think, I, I mean, I think uh, it's important. I mean, it's our first first uh, podcast here, so I'd love to get your your uh, your thoughts on the in-season tournament and uh, real quickly, I guess, and – but I mean, being in the arena for the Orlando game, first first in season tournament game in Brooklyn, I, it just felt there was a different energy in the building. I mean, they gave out rally towels, kind of had a little playoff feel to it. And for a team like the Nets, who you know were not championship contenders, which is a change for over the last uh, four years, it's it's for me, it's it's a little bit. It, it gets me a little excited that it could be a tournament where these upper level teams don't take as serious as. As we get into these uh, slow months of January, February, and, it, and maybe it's something that we can take advantage of. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I, great I love, game. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I, I love the idea of the in-season tournament. I mean, I'm just a pure basketball fan, and if something they want to bring in something that 
uh, is new and, you know, uh, brings more attention to the game, why not? Uh, you know, and especially for teams like the Nets, where we know we're not, uh, you know, championship contenders, and this is something fun for us. And actually, I don't know too much about how the rules work. I mean, you might be able to speak to it a bit more. I understand that currently we're 2-1 and one in our group play, and uh, if we win our next game against the Raptors, we actually have a chance to make it to the quarterfinals, uh, which would be, yeah. you know, that would be the Nets Super Bowl uh, for fans. And, and if we could win a game in that, it could, you know, I really do think that if teams that aren't expected, if teams that aren't championship contenders actually make it to the quarterfinals and go on a little run, it can create a ripple effect similar to the Suns in the bubble in the sense yeah. that they played great in the bubble, which led to them being the one seed in the West. So I, you know, I think that if someone goes very deep and starts playing contenders, you know, hard, I'm thinking of teams like the Pelicans or the Nets or, you know, I haven't really looked at the group play standings. It's very confusing, and I'm sure most NBA fans agree with that. But yeah. um, uh, overall, I do like the idea. Uh, I'm not really sure what the incentive is. I mean, at the end of the day, regular and season games are important, and most fans know that. Uh, so they'll have to create, for me, a better incentive for teams to uh, actually want to compete and play hard. And maybe that's, a, you know, getting an earlier draft pick. Maybe that's, you know, getting a bump in your salary cap. Uh, I'm not, you know, you know I'm not, that's more of a team, uh, you know, pro, but from a player perspective, the 500K, I'm sure doesn't mean a ton to them. And the players that it does mean a ton to aren't even getting in the game. So uh, overall, I like the in-season tournament. And yeah, I wanted to hear your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I think, I think, so I, I think the 500,000 is actually going to be big, especially for teams like Brooklyn, who like, you can kind of see like the camaraderie in there and they're all, you don't have that superstar that's going to, you know, sit back and be like, eh, this is whatever. So you kind of have, you know, you have Bridges really, you know, keeping close with the you know, Watford, let's say, or Claxton and Dayron. These guys, they they need that money. So I think I think it's going to be important for these veterans to get to I get these to, younger I just wanted to interrupt you quickly. And, you know, yeah. I don't really know if Claxton needs the money with some of the outfits I see him wearing on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. it, it looks like he's making more money than Luka Doncic or whoever has the highest max because yeah. his outfits, yeah. I can tell his his tank top that he wears is probably $250. Uh, so just yeah. continue yeah. on your NBA point. <laughs> He had some. He had some leather outfit that that, that they were. Ryan Rucco was talking about today, and they showed it. I think they showed it during the second quarter or third quarter. It was yeah, uh, probably was with uh, Ben Simmons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but so like just talking about the standing. So obviously the leader of the group is gonna is gonna make it to the next round, and then the next out of the three groups in the East, you'll have the next two best teams. Uh, make it through and and point differential uh, matters here. So so at the end of the game, I think we saw Mikel Bridges kind of score four on night answered points against Orlando uh, in in a blowout, uh, and and obviously he had point differential on his mind. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that just shows like the importance of these guys and 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 their their IQ of what what kind of what's going on here. Um, so right now, if, if it ended, obviously there's a little bit of an imbalance, but Brooklyn is two and one where we have plus eight differential. The next two, the two second place teams uh, that are ahead of them are uh, Philly and Miami. They're at plus 13 and plus 12. So mm-hmm. they're right there. Um, Milwaukee and Miami are actually tied. They're both 2 and 0. So, I mean, something's got to give once they play each other. So for, for, for Nets fans, Bucks are a plus 36. So we definitely want the Bucks to beat the Heat there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's exciting. It, 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 it adds, it, 
I, I said this when they announced it and people were like, oh, we don't get it. But I think it just adds to these early season games. I mean, November and December, even a little bit of January, kind of a drag. And then and then you, you get these last couple games into the, yeah. the deadline and, and the deadline is what changes it. So I, I think it's going to I think it's going to be fun. I think once once they get to Vegas for the semifinals and finals, um, there's going to be some some buzz around it, and I think it, 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 I think it'll be good for the NBA, uh, and it, it'll definitely bring some 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 excitement in the midseason, which we all know the NBA doesn't need, but it's always welcomed, you know. Yeah, and you know, just going off your point differential uh, point of the NBA in season tournament, how that matters is actually very nice to see teams uh, trying till the very last second, and it's funny how it almost caused a fight last week because like I was watching the video on Twitter. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I forgot who did it, but someone scored when they were up 18 with, you know, 10 seconds left. And I was yeah. like, all right, fight's about a breakout. Why did he just do that? And then, you know, the announcer or the, the tweet explained to me that, you know, NBA players, it was actually a smart play because point differential matters. And it's actually just refreshing to watch teams play till the last second, whether they're down 20, up 20, uh, it, it does matter now. And, you know, the NBA might need to want to think about something like that down the road just to get a better product of how point differential should matter maybe in terms of regular season standings. But not to stay on this topic for too long, uh, I wanted to finish recapping uh, this week's games. So on Thursday, uh, after our win in Orlando, uh, we played Miami, and it was our second game of the season against Miami. We lost 122 to 115. It was a hard-fought game, uh, you know, but it seems like Jimmy Butler uh, just had a Jimmy Buckets game, and he completely took over, and he completely um, – he completely showed that uh, the Nets need a little bit more dog and the Miami Heat have that, and we don't. Uh, that being said, we are one-on-one on the season against them. And, uh, you know, the, the Heat are on a winning streak, and they're a tough team to beat. Um, I wasn't too upset after this game, but, yeah, let me know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, two games two games in Miami, you take one uh, early on in the season. That was kind of the Ar- Armani Brooks, uh, Trent, Trent Wofford game there. Um, only 11 fast break points uh, after having 31 in the previous game. And same story as today, uh, you know, 14-0 run to end the second quarter, kind of just made the game, you know, we, we fought. We, I think we got down to four in the third quarter, um, but it was it was just never enough. You have Jimmy who's just I, – I, I just I, – I had I had nightmares about the shimmy that he did on, on Royce and just drove to the basket and I think it dunked it over Dayron. And it's just yep. – yep. again, turnovers, minus six differential, and, and, you're, and the Nets are not going to win games that way. Um, and, 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 and this is where you miss Cam Thomas. You, you, you need that score to match up with Jimmy and someone who's not scared. And I think, I think Bridges is too focused on getting, um, getting his teammates involved and, and, and not going in there and, and getting upset. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. I, f- I forget what game it was, um, two weeks ago and Bridges gets the technical foul for not getting, for not getting a call. And, and, and yes, showed him, he came down the court and he, and he yelled at, uh, he yelled at Dinwiddie, like, give me the ball. Now the Nets went down the court, Dinwiddie didn't pass it to him. And and those are the things that Bridges needs to get into his teammates face and say, I need the ball. I want to take over here. And, and we missed that against Miami. And we definitely missed that today against Philly. Yeah. I think, I think a big problem with, you know, that is that we, we haven't had a consistent rotation, uh, you know, even, even with the injuries, I do think Jacques Vaughn is trying to create, you know, camaraderie in the locker room and creating a very big rotation. But I think that's hurting us at, us at a certain point. 
And uh, every single night, it seems like whether it's Dinwiddie, Bridges, or Lonnie Walker, this is, I'm talking post Cam Thomas injury, it seems like they're out there fighting for who's going to be the guy that night. And uh, that's not always a great thing to have on the team. Uh, you know, Mikhail Bridges, I, I love for him to be more aggressive about it. I mean, the franchise is showcasing him as this star. He's on all the billboards. He's on all the uh, signs. And so I love for him to, you know, do that a bit more. And it's funny. I was I, I noticed he was getting in Lonnie Walker's face today as well. Uh, you know, even though Lonnie had a great game, I think he had 26 points today against the Sixers. Yep. Uh, it's, you know, Lonnie has a tendency to get the ball and not look at anyone else. And, it's, you know, that's his possession. So, um, you know, I, I did some of my thoughts from the Miami game uh, were that we truly did miss Ben Simmons. Uh, and I, I felt that way because I was watching Kevin Love get the rebound and throw bullet passes like he's uh, De uh, Tommy DeVito uh, all the way up to Jimmy Butler up the court. And Jimmy would take someone one on one in the post, you know, four seconds into the shot clock. And it was just bringing back memories from the few games that Ben C uh, Simmons did play where he gets the rebound and looks completely far up the floor. Whereas without him, it seems like we struggle getting the ball to someone after the rebound. You know, Daron Sharp stands there. And by the time Dinwiddie gets the ball, there's like 19 seconds on the shot clock. And, you know, the defense is set. And uh, without Ben Simmons, it's very clear that we're not able to play with the same pace. Uh, I can we could have a whole episode on Ben Simmons and what I think about him, and we'll talk a ton about him as yep. uh, this podcast continues. Uh, we don't need to get into it now, and actually later I want to just talk about our overall outlook, thirteen games into the season, and maybe we could speak to it a bit more. But um, it was a tough game, and uh, you know the, the Heat just bullied us, and uh, there's going to be games like that with the current team we have. We missed Cam Thomas, we missed Ben Simmons, uh, and Jimmy took over. But uh, moving along, I want to look uh, ahead now. You know, we talked about last week. We talked about today. I want to look ahead of uh, our next game. And we have Atlanta on November 22nd uh, on Wednesday. So uh, what are you expecting from that game? Uh, thoughts? Do you think we're going to win? Um, I'm excited for that game. Yeah, so again, another another game in, in, in the same tier as us. We got the, you know, you got the Atlantas, the Orlandos of the world. Ha has to be a win. Um they, you know, they're going to shoot the three. You have Trey Young. They're going to shoot the three. Um, I think they're ranked in the top 15 in both attempts and makes. Um, so you, you have, you have to, you have to stop them. I, I think, I think Jack, I think Jack Vaughn's going to look at, at what happened today with Maxi and, and hopefully tell these guys not, not to play drop coverage, um, and, and against Trey Young. Um, you have to get in his face and you can't let him. He, he's a volume shooter. He's going to take his shots, but let's try to make it as difficult as possible. We should come out with the win. Um, they, they, I think they have Jalen Johnson has, has shot like 45% from three, so he's been huge for them. Um, yeah, he's been great. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and, and Sadiq Bey as well, former first-round pick for the Nets. Um, but <laughs> that we, we sent over to, to, to Detroit. I know, I know that had everybody going crazy when he was hitting those threes against us uh, playing for Detroit. But look, they turned the ball over. Trey Young is the prototypical guy who is going to score your 30, but he's going to give you the ball a lot, and he's going to shoot a lot of threes. And mm -hmm. the, the more that we could stop him, I'm not scared of Capella. Bogdanovich, like, he could hurt you, but he's slow. He's not going to mm -hmm. hurt you defensively. Um so and and then obviously you touch upon Deontay Murray's he's good. He's he's gonna he's he's gonna he's he makes that offense run. Um if I was an Atlanta fan, I I I would wish that he kind of ran things there and he was the number one over Trey. But I get it. 
you know, Trey's their number one guy. He, they, they traded Doncic for him, so they, they have to make him that guy. Yeah, and I, I personally think this is, uh, one, a must-win for the Nets if they have um, – this is the type of game they got to win. Uh, you know, the, the Hawks are the middle-of-the-road team. If the Nets want to be a six-seed or above, and that's, uh, you know, teams that don't play in the play-in tournament, and I think that's the goal for most of Nets fans uh, this year is to, you know, make it to be a six-seed or above. Uh, we got to be teams like the Hawks. Uh, you know, I, I really hope that Dennis Smith Jr., who didn't play today, is back by then. So he could actually get some minutes guarding uh, Trey Young. And I, I do think it's a good matchup. I mean, I think uh, the Nets struggle against teams that are, uh, you know, that play great defense, especially without uh, Cam Thomas on the floor. And the, I think Atlanta's bottom five in defense this year. They let up a ton of points. So if we can get out in transition, if Dennis Smith Jr. and Mikael Bridges and Dorian Finney-Smith can, you know, all play a role on defense and, you know, they can guard guys like Deontay Murray and Trey Young and hopefully slow them down. I think this should lead to a Nets win. Uh, I always love watching Claxton against Capella. Uh, I think they're very similar. Uh, and, I, you know, it's a fun matchup for me to watch. Uh, you know, like players like Jared Allen, all these long, slim guys. I, I think it's the new way, uh, new big big guy version in the NBA. And it's always a good time watching these guys play against each other because it's the exact same style. And you, it always leads to poster dunks or poster blocks. Yeah. But, uh, all in all, I think uh, the Nets need to win this game. Uh, you know, we're, we're already under 500 after today. And uh, if we lose this game, it's just going to hope it's going to keep putting us in the wrong direction. And it's going to make us very desperate for Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons to come back. So if we keep losing, the media is going to put more pressure on Ben Simmons, which we all know how that could go. And, you know, we don't want to rush Cam Thomas back as well. And we just want to keep the camaraderie in the locker room high. So. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the longer you can strap, you know, in, in my opinion, I don't think the Nets team, we haven't looked that great uh, besides the Magic game since the Wizards game. So, I, you know, the last three to four games, Wizards, uh, Miami, and now Philadelphia, the team really hasn't looked like they themselves. Uh, the team has played great this season and they've competed, but those games, uh, they, you know, they, they squeaked by the Wizards. They didn't look like themselves against Miami. And today, like, you know, it seems like no one came to work. Uh, but all in all, must win, and you know we'll we'll be we'll be back to talk about the Hawks game, uh, you know, on episode two, which uh, is also yeah, exciting. yeah, and 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 Jack 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 did give a little bit of an update, saying that we, he gave an update that we were going to get an update uh, before the game today on Cam Thomas, and to me it just sounded like he's going to have a little bit of a ramping up situation going uh, on hand. Uh, we might not see him until December. Uh, that's the first time everyone that we said ramp up on a Nets podcast and get used to it with Ben Simmons on the <laughs> yeah I so, always want to say he's ramping up for the ramp up uh, so exactly. hopefully he's back soon uh, but that's obviously positive news to hear and uh yeah and and and, and Jack Jack kind of touched upon it like you, you can't really stay in shape when you're in a walking boot so I think that's that's important to to note for Nets fans who are going to be wanting him to come back when he hits the two weeks on Thursday. We do have the back to back this weekend uh, at home, Miami and Chicago. Another game that we should take care of. The Miami game is going to be a toss up. If if we can shorten those runs like we uh, did in the first game in Miami, then we'll be okay. But that the, the, the Atlanta the Atlanta game on Wednesday and then next Sunday uh, against Chicago need to be wins. Um, if they if they want to stay in this contention for for a top six seed, yeah, I mean, and just like it's going off the point you said earlier, you gotta you gotta beat the teams you're supposed to in this league, and I do think that's a like that's a pro of this Nets team that they do come out to play every single night, and they have a very big rotation, so they have a lot of guys that are rested. 
uh, and ready to play. They have, you know, 10 NBA players. Not a lot of teams can say that. And when I say NBA players, I mean players that could actually play on most teams in the league. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. And, you know, just the wrapping up this podcast a little bit, uh, you know, we haven't really talked to our listeners and we want to get to know them a little on a personal level. Uh, so I want to talk to you about uh, just overall, how do you feel about the Nets right now? You could talk about this season. You could talk about what's happened over the last couple of years. I'll give my thoughts after you, but how do you feel about the team right now? And, uh, you know, like, are you happy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, there's uh there's 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 a, there's a lot to be happy about uh, obviously um it, it's unfortunate you know we've been dealing with this since 2019 and even before really i mean you 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 have the uh, we, we can go all the way back to 20 2014 2013 when you know you you bring in paul pierce you bring in garnett and, and then brooke lopez goes down goes down with a foot injury right uh you bring in jeremy lynn to kind of be that veteran to bring us like mark's to bring us back into like this, uh, like it's not so bad here. Uh, Joe Johnson quote there, but and, and Jeremy Lin goes down in the first game, and then you have like Karis Levert's foot injury, and then Jared Allen, and and it's just continuous, and it just it just flowed right into the big three, right? You had Harden's hamstring, Kyrie's shoulder, then Kyrie's ankle, and then again this year. Not sure what what the Nets franchise did to uh, to, to, yep. to bring on this curse of of injuries, but I mean that's that's the one thing that you can point on and say you know it's 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 frustrating to be a Nets fan right now when you don't you you don't have your your full team and and what they've done I think they're six and seven now what they've what what Jack Vaughn has done with this team and there's going to be a lot of criticism and I think a lot of that flows in after that Cavaliers game and his fourth quarter decisions there and rightfully so he he kind of botched that with his hockey type uh, substitutions there but look we're we're six and seven mm-hmm. and I think. I, I could be a gamer too off, but I think the this this starting lineup that we have going on right now uh, ended the year last year with a twelve and thirteen record. So look, we're we're a five hundred team. Can we sneak wins in these long days of the season? I think so. So I think we're right where I expected us to be. Our ceiling, look, can we get to forty five wins? I can see it. Can we be a thirty five win team too? I could see that as well. Um, so yeah, I don't think we've overperformed. I, I I was actually I'll say we've overperformed for the injuries that we've had. But mm-hmm. if you told me that everyone was healthy and we were six and seven as well, I'd be like, that's where that's where I expected us to be. I mean, I, I still remember uh, the day where you know I was at my brother's bachelor party in the Hamptons, and it was Game Three uh, against the Bucks, and Kyrie went down. We were up two zero, and we were beating the Bucks in Game Three in Milwaukee. And Kyrie went down, and I think that was the turning point of everything. And I think all Nets fans could agree that. Uh, I think that when those three were on the court together with that team, uh, you know, with Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, uh, we saw what we did against the Celtics. Uh, it's we, that, that team was a very high level of basketball. And when I say that, I mean as high level as the 2017 Warriors and some of the best teams we've seen since, uh, you know, over the last decade. Uh, I, if I were Sean Marks, you know, you could have a ton of regrets about how you handled things once you got all those guys there. But as a Nets fan, even after all the pain, even after all the misery, even after all the jokes from the Knicks fans that, you know, I'm friends with, I think we'd all do it again to get those three guys, and you you have to give it a try. You just have to. And, uh, the, you know, I, I know the, their careers were winding down, but 
uh, at the time, a couple of years ago, uh, they were still all playing at a very, very high level. And we saw that. And, you know, that offense was just truly unstoppable. I think we all remember that play where Blake Griffin threw it behind his back to Mike James for the off the backboard dunk uh, to Durant. Like that team was was truly crazy. And it's it's sad to see where we are now. But that being said, I think Sean Marks handled the whole situation like a professional. Uh, it was, he got put in a really tough spot. And I could think he completely, as the kids are saying these days, Felice the Phoenix Suns. We need to hold on to all of those picks. I am very excited for when I am older and I have children. And, you know, we get Bronny James Jr. Jr. as the first pick from Phoenix in 2030. Uh, obviously, I'm going on a bit of a banter here. Uh, but uh, moving forward into where we are now, I mean, I'm happy about the assets we have. I'm, I'm more happy about the assets we have than the actual team we have. Uh, I don't love the way the team plays, you know, on a night to night. I don't know what the identity is, and I don't think the players really know what the identity is. And the rotation, like I said, is just very, very big. And I think at some point, we're going to need to start learning from what we're seeing on the floor. And when I say we, I mean Jock Vaughn and his coaching staff, and actually act upon it. Like, you know, for example, one, in my opinion, I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie, no matter how much we need him handling the ball, even if it's if, if it hurts us in the short term, we need to play him less and less because his style of basketball is not what we need. You know, if his 30 minutes a game out of him holding the ball is not what we need. Spencer could have a role on this team and he could, you know, we need him, I think, off the bench scoring some nights to actually get wins throughout the season. But that's just one example of how I think, you know, think Jock Vaughn could actually make action and play Spencer, you know, at the most 22 minutes a night. Number two, and this is something, you know, you can clip this, maybe put it on Instagram. I think it's time without Cam Thomas for all of us to ask the question, should Lonnie Walker start? I mean, this guy, we signed him for the minute minimum, and he's averaging 26.2 points per game for 36 minutes. That's 16th in the league. I looked at the basketball reference, and I couldn't believe the guys ahead of him. It's like, you know, it's, it's the all-star game and then Lonnie Walker. So that was, like, ridiculous to think about. And then if you look at the Nets per 36 minutes, Cam Thomas is averaging 29. That's only three more points than Lonnie Walker. So when you just think about we don't have him anymore, it's a quick substitute there. And Lonnie's only playing 21 minutes a game, which is ninth on the team, and he's shooting 50% from the field, 43% from three, and 78% from the line. That's efficiency in a nutshell. And I, I, I think, you know, if he's not starting within a week or two and continues playing like this, I mean, the, those stats I just gave you were without the 26-point day he had today. Uh, but all in all, I think uh, what I'm trying to say is that Jacques Vaughn needs to start acting on what we're seeing and learning from it and, you know, shrinking the rotation and giving – players real roles on this team I know that's hard because we have a ton of people who you know can play that being like Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith but I don't think they should be combining for 60 minutes a game and uh, maybe you know I'll stop there let me let, let, let me hear your thoughts on that crazy band my first crazy banter on Brooklyn banter I just yeah, so, so so I think I think it's like I think it's easy to look at Lonnie and just say starter right like he's coming now I think I think I think the way I look at it, it's more important for me to look at it and say Lonnie needs to finish games. I, I think I think when he comes off the bench, yeah. he kind of provides that scoring that we need, um, especially if, if Bridges is coming off or like even Dinwiddie's coming off, right? Because like those are guys that are going to be able to get you buckets. Um, but like I think I looked yesterday on FanDuel, I, I think there's like 43 guys on um, 
uh, that have odds out there to be six man of the year and Lonnie Walker is nowhere to be found. So I, I, I'm not sure what they're looking at or if they're even paying attention that's, to Brooklyn Nets. That's insane. I mean, how but, is but he they, but, but, but I mean, Lonnie is playing himself into a contract. The fact that Sean Marks got him for a veteran minimum, I mean, put like build a statue outside after, you know, it, it's, it's, it's incredible that when, when Sean Marks is really Sean Marks general manager and not, Sean Marks, general manager with uh, star players, like what he brings to this team. He 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 did it in he did it in 2017 and in 2018, and and he shows you how one quick summer, once he gets his assets, that he can uh, that he can he can make a role. I'm not really sure what the Nets are going to do. They do not own Lonnie's bird rights, and if he continues this way, he's he's going to play himself into a contract that the Nets potentially can't afford. Uh, we do have that mid level non taxpayer, hopefully next year that. I think it's going to be about 12 and a half a year. We'll if see if that, that works out. Yeah, I mean, who knows if we'll take that. Uh, but if he, I mean, if he's out there, he, he could easily be getting 18 to 20. There's no reason that he shouldn't if he continues on the stride that he's at. So, I mean, Lonnie's been a big positive. He's probably been the, the best news that we've gotten now um, outside of, of, of Cam Thomas's um, hmm. uh, role this year uh, growing. But yeah, I mean, Lonnie's been great. I think, I think, I think it's you could definitely argue that he starts. I think he's more valuable off the bench because he gets to play these second string guys, and and he's obviously just taking advantage of it because he is he is a high level role player, especially definitely. on the offensive on the offensive side. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm sure the fans will learn this soon, but uh, you know, I'm not too fond of LeBron James, and I'll already say it right now. I think LeBron James was holding back Lonnie Walker, and you can quote me on that. But uh, no, it it is a uh, it it shows that Sean Marks really does his due diligence on some of these free agency signings. I mean, he's been picking guys, uh, you know, off since Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, since Joe Harris, you know, Lonnie Walker. Now, uh, you know, he's found a ton of role players that have really helped his team. And I definitely agree. It really, you know, it's more so him finishing games than starting games. And you know, I, I hope that Jacques Vaughn, once Cam Thomas is back doesn't just ignore what's happening right now. I mean, I know it's not leading to wins, but I'd love to see Cam Thomas and Lonnie Walker on the floor together. And, you know, it's not like the defense right now is top tier and it's going to you know hurt it even more. So uh, it's something to think about and something actually you should be excited about as a Nets fan that we have. Yeah, you, could, you, could close, you could close a game when you're playing small ball with Ben at the five or even mm-hmm. Claxton. And then and then and then just throw Cam Lonnie, Cam Johnson, and, and Bridges out there together, and, and you have shooters all over the floor. I mean, there's a lot of weapons, and I, th- I think, like you said before, we, we do have a big rotation, and I think part in part that has to do with the injuries. I think as the season goes on, you'll see a little bit of a tightening of that, and and unfortunately for the guys like Watford and Dennis Smith Jr. and and, and these guys that have really played a big role early on, gotten us some some great minutes are, are going to unfortunately see their roles decrease. Um, but that's just the nature of basketball. You're going to see the the longer you go into the season, the, the tighter these rotations are going to get to get prepare you for the playoffs. Yep. Uh, you know, I really did love that uh, that small ball lineup you just said, and it gets me excited thinking about it. And I'm just, you know, uh, over this Thanksgiving and uh, winter, you know, over this Christmas, I'm going to ask Santa for these injuries to just dial down a bit and can we get our best players back so I could actually watch this team at full strength for one time in four years besides one playoff series. But I'm going to, you know, let, let's stop there, man. Uh, this was this was such a good time. I'm really happy we're doing this. Um, you know, uh, I really do think that uh, the Nets fans need a podcast out there. 
you know, to inform them and give them a fan's perspective. And I think me and you have, you know, been watching the team long enough and are passionate enough, uh, enough about it uh, to inform the fans and, you know, give them something entertaining to listen to on a week to week basis. But, uh, you know, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, this is Brooklyn Banter. I'm House and my co-host here is Matt Salgado. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're a relatively new podcast. We're getting comfortable with this as well. We'll get more comfortable with each other, uh, you know, as we continue making episodes. Uh, and uh, yeah, Matt, any last parting thoughts? Yeah, just uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, hopefully we end this week 3-0. But if not, um, you know, we'll be right back at it and, uh, and, and, and stay in this frustration state together. <laughs> Definitely, man. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll talk this week. And uh, as always, go nuts.